This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Oh, hello and welcome aboard the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. I am Paul Gallant. It is Wednesday, May 19th of 2021. And you just heard it a couple of seconds ago. Nothing quite like ESPN voice guy. Old fella McFellapants deciding to say publicly, because this is the reality of Seattle Mariners baseball, that the Seattle Mariners have been no-hit twice. Twice now in the last two weeks, almost three times if you want to count Thursday's seven innings of torture. Look, I'm fortunate that I was on a plane last night with a person who I think has never ridden in a plane before sitting in front of me. He was trying to lean his seat further back than it actually was capable of going back the entirety of today. I'm not that tall. I'm 5'11". Still jamming into my knees. I would have preferred that experience in getting home at 2 in the morning as opposed to watching this lineup just continue to struggle. And, you know, I was excited. On Friday, I know Maura Dooley was there. I, I didn't get to see the first Jared Kelnick show, but, man, he gets a home run. He gets a couple of doubles. And I was excited to come back and talk about a Mariners team that had won three of four against a decent Cleveland team. But you, you just look over the totality of the last two weeks or just the totality of the entire season, and, man, this lineup is struggling. And that no-hitter, who was surprised by it? I mean, that's the worst part of all. So it gets me to this point. And I'm sure a lot of you are here with me. You were here with you were here before me. You were telling me, Paul, you're you're very optimistic, sunshiny, rosy, even when it comes to talking about this Mariners baseball team, which has just had such struggles for a long period of time. And here's where I'm at today, and I know I'm a very overreactive follower of baseball, but no matter how much faith that you might have in this Mariners farm system, an unsurprising no hitter last night reinforces the depressing idea that we're perhaps far away from the light at the end of the rebuild tunnel. We feel good about Jared Kelnick. We feel good about Kyle Lewis. The reinforcements, though, are are they really that close? And while we're seeing Julio Rodriguez destroy it with the Everett Aqua Sox, I don't think he's around the corner anytime soon. It's a shame because the Mariners pitching hasn't been doing terribly. It's just this lineup cannot score. And... I'm not mad. I'm embarrassed. Because I I don't think that anything can really be done to change this in the short term. And, look, they don't really need to do anything in the short term. I don't think any of us thought that they were going to contend this season. But there is a part of me that sort of looks at this the same way that I now look at dressing myself up. When I lived in the Northeast, I dressed like a schlep. And my uh, mom, my sister... They tried to advise me to got, to get into the light. Then I moved to the South, and I realized that you can basically change people's perceptions of you entirely because of the way that you dress. And there's a part of me that wishes that the Mariners had tried a little bit, maybe gotten some knockoff clothes or something like that, going into this year, getting some somewhat marginally better talent for the lineup. Hitting 199 as a team is embarrassing, and you can have patience and all that, no matter how much you're going to show. It's, it's unacceptable. This is the major leagues. You should have more than that. And, and I'm wondering, just talent-wise, at this point in time, on Wednesday, May 19th of 2021, as an extremely overreactive follower of baseball, if that's something that 
is <laughs> going to change by maybe not the end of this season, but over the course of next offseason and into next year. Are the Mariners actually going to be given the green light to spend a little bit, upgrade the lineup without just the youngins? The question of the day on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Kalnick's here. The Mariners had a nice little weekend, but, I mean, you lost two to the Tigers, who stink. They were no hit for the second time in less than two weeks. They're batting 199 as a team. So where are you on the trademarked Mariners sunshine scale, 1 through 10? 1, the sky is falling. You are in the fetal position, curled up, crying. You're listening to some depressing music in the background. Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. I'm not 100% sure what people listen to now when they're all in a mopey mood. (laughs) Ten, you're feeling ecstatic. If you're feeling ecstatic, please give me some of that sunshine. That is the question. So let's go. 710-710 to the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Text line. (laughs) Stop kissing this team's hiney. We were told 2021 was supposed to be the year that they were going to be a playoff contending team. This team is a joke. Well... You do have to. This is the worst part about it. I mean, this is why I'm embarrassed and not angry. Last year happened in the way that it did, and it stunted everything. But at the same time, I mean, the approach this offseason, not to attack the lineup at all. I mean, it's not like the lineup was very good last year either. Did you really think that Dylan Moore was going to be able to keep up what he did to the same degree that he did last year? Last year, I mean, the guy looked like, a player that could be maybe playing for you five, six years. This year, mm, marginal. Along with many other players. 7-10, 7-10. When the Mariners get no hit again today, I wonder what people will say then. Oh, boy. Uh, where are you at on the sunshine scale? One person says a 7. Yeah, that, that that's okay to be at a 7 because of Kelnick. But the Kelnick shine has worn off a little bit just because he has not come into the major leagues destroying the baseball, which was an unfair expectation. Another texter says four. Another texter, same old Mariners. It's been 20 years. Pretty used to it. Ten, sunshine, baby, because we're only a few months away from Seahawks football. Another texter, give me a three. And another, Luis Torrens is the worst thing I've ever seen. There's a part of me, too, that feels like it's not It's not even necessarily some of these guys' fault. Right? I mean... Some of these guys are ahead, are, are up in the majors entirely because there's there's nobody else. It is a talent problem at this point in time. You know, I don't know that firing the hitting coach, like some are suggesting, is actually an approach that's going to net you any results. I mean, do you really think all of a sudden that a team that's struggling just to make contact with the baseball is going to do better if they part ways with Tim Laker? Or if Scott Service gives them some sort of speech. I mean, I, I just think that they're entirely limited in what they're able to do at the plate. One texter, negative 10, 710, 710, the back of Jack's Brewing Company text line. Okay, that's that's a little far. Five, because it can't get much worse from here, from the two, five, three. Three, six, oh, four, trying not to jump to a one. I feel like my Mariners PTSD kicked in last night. That's from Jacob and Lancaster. Another texter from the 253. This is a group of major league bench warmers. Can Seattle just get a good baseball team? We haven't seen any hope in 20 years. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight like that. It doesn't. This isn't the Yankees. This isn't the Red Sox. This isn't the Dodgers. This is, this is the Mariners. 
they are just like pretty much every other team in baseball where if you're going to make that change, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. Although many would argue that me saying that right now, given that the Mariners are what the one team that hasn't made it to a world series yet is uh, just highlighting some of the struggles. So yeah, I'm, I'm bummed out, but mainly I'm embarrassed this morning. It's hard to be angry at something that you don't, that you're not surprised by. I'm not surprised by the fact that they got no hit again for the second time in two weeks and almost the third time in two weeks. 710 710 is how you text into the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. You can tweet me as well at Galant Says. We'll hear from you via the phones, 206 421 3776, in about five minutes or so. This hour of the Paul Galant Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. It's time for you for it's time for you. It's time for what's trending. Brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with Maura Dooley. Good morning, afternoon, Maura Dooley. How are you now? I like you were about to say it's time for you fools. Time for you fools to sit back and listen. <laughs> I don't know. That was a terrible attempt at a beginning of a rap song by uh, yours truly. Uh, what's going on in, I guess, just non-depressing realities of the Mariners lineup news, Mora? Um, A lot of, you know, outdated takes from old guys, I think, is our theme today in What's Trending. Oh. Uh, first up, we have Tony LaRussa. Who, um, 76 years old. Yep. Managing the White Sox. He is mad at Yerman Mercedes for hitting. They were up huge the other night. I think it was 15 to 4 on the Twins. Um, the Twins had a position player out there. He threw a 47 mile an hour ball at Mercedes um, with them having such a big lead. And it was a 3 0 count. Unwritten rules say you don't hit it. And Mercedes did. This is what Tony LaRussa had to say about it before yesterday's game. But he, he missed. A three-year-old hit sign with that kind of lead. That's just, it's not over. That's just sportsmanship, respect for the game, respect for your opponent. He made a mistake. So, you know, there'll be a consequence that he has to uh, endure here uh, within our family. Uh, but, uh, you know, it won't happen again because, you know, Joe will be on the lookout and I will be too. And we'll go running in front of the pitcher. We have to. Something. I want to see that, by the way. What he has to endure with his no, family? No, Russa go running in front of the pitcher to stop him the next time he tries to do that. <laughs> no, don't do it. <laughs> don't throw a 47-mile-per-hour EFIS random positional player that's out there because the team is getting blown out. If you're playing a sport, you should be playing it at 100% at all times. In football, you do it because you don't want to get hurt. In baseball, you do it because any opportunity that you have to put a statistic up on the scoreboard means that you might end up getting paid the next offseason. That Larusa looks at things through this prism is just so dinosaur to the point where I almost don't even believe that he actually feels this way. To not have your players back, I think, is one of the most unforgivable crimes that a coach can publicly have, unless that player did something that really hurt the team. What did he do that hurt the team? The guy hit a home run off a 47-mile-per-hour pitch. And what is you're supposed to do? I, I think it's not sportsmanlike to, to essentially be charitable with another team. And I, and I know, you know, in youth sports, you see a lot of this these days where players and, 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 and kids come into the games and you don't want them to have the score run up on them. Even there, I, I, I think that's dicey. Sports are sports. It's about being competitive. 
if you can't deal with a guy hitting a home run off of a 47-mile-per-hour fastball and a blowout victory, I, I just I just don't know why you enjoy sports. How about we just stop the game when it's a 10-run game? How about if there's a no-hitter taking place? The guy, because it's unsportsmanlike to not allow the other team to have a hit, how about he, he throws a 47-mile-per-hour fastball down the middle so that they have the opportunity to get a hit? Like, La Russa, he's, he's the absolute worst, and yet here he is, one of the more celebrated figures in baseball over the last 20 years as far as managers go. I hope we hear less about him in the near future. <laughs> All right, next up in the um, Old Take Olympics, we've got former Packers manager Ron Wolf. Um, 82 joined, years old. Joined the Big Show Network, and um, this is what he had to say about Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson and their kind of grievances they've had with their teams. All three of these guys uh, have signed long-term contracts, and they're under contract. So I'm sure at that time there wasn't anybody holding a gun to their head saying you have to sign, but now they're not happy. They're not happy with the team they signed a contract with. So to me, it's it's very, very interesting. There is a cultural divide with age. And maybe that's the argument that you use if you are someone like Mike Greenberg, I guess, who is supporting Tony La Russa. But I'm, I'm with Ron Wolf here. I, I find it interesting that no quarterback and maybe specifically no NFL agent has taken a look at the NBA and a quarterback with a lot of talent hasn't looked at a situation that he is in and thought to himself, you know what would be best for me to give myself a short-term contract with complete flexibility. And I, I would look at Patrick Mahomes as far as that goes. He signed a 10-year contract. A contract that at the end of it is not going to be the kind of market value that a quarterback deserves. It looks great in the moment. Maybe the agent's all about getting that headline. Maybe the agent's all about making sure that he gets that long-term money. But honestly, if we've learned anything over the last couple of years, short-term contracts for quarterbacks get those quarterbacks paid. And I would imagine in the case of a really good quarterback, those short-term contracts would also allow those quarterbacks to have a little bit more leverage as far as roster control, coaches, etc., etc., I mean, Kirk Cousins, essentially, because he's tightened the franchise tag, what, two, three years in a row, ended up getting more money than he ever would have made. He's an above-average quarterback. Then he gets the guaranteed contract from the Minnesota Vikings. And we saw with Dak Prescott. Prescott, had he not gotten hurt, I think, honestly, he gets the franchise tag again. And the Cowboys find themselves in a situation where they are paying him a lot of money, and they're going to continue to do it because they don't want to go to the alternative. These guys have a lot of leverage. And they decide instead to sign these big long-term contracts, and I just don't think it makes any sense. So I think Ron Wolf has a point here. If you're going to sign a long-term contract, like for Deshaun Watson, I cover the Texans. They're a mess. They were a mess before all the Deshaun Watson stuff that's going on right now. Long before that. You voluntarily signed that contract. Russell Wilson, you signed a contract with a team that's been successful for a decade. Aaron Rodgers, you signed a contract with a team that, yeah, maybe in the past did not exactly have your back when it comes to Mike McCarthy. But, I mean, what are we doing here? I think you the argument the from the players is that the teams don't often are, um, fulfill those contracts either. So if these players have the ability to kind of make them make some concessions, not everyone can do that. That's true, but they, they are different, and they should realize that they're different. Don't you think? I mean, it, it, I, I, I understand that idea, but this is, I, I think, the smart play for any of these quarterbacks. Dak Prescott suffered a catastrophic leg injury 
And if injury is the reason that they're nervous about not signing these long-term contracts, well, clearly that's not as much of a liability as it is. What is Prescott, the eighth-best quarterback in the NFL, ninth, tenth, something like that? Broke his leg, and he got a huge extension this offseason to the point where Jerry Jones thinks that, and maybe he's just saying this aloud, so it seems like he got the worst end of the deal to make Dak Prescott happy, but saying that Dak Prescott basically got the better end of him. All right, guys, 206-421-3776 is how you call in. You can text in, too, on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle at 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Or tweet me, at Gallant says, the question of the day. Mariners had a fun weekend, but they've just lost two in a row to the Detroit Tigers. We're no hit for the second time in less than two weeks and are hitting uh, 199. So, yeah. Uh, where are you on the Mariners' sunshine scale 1 through 10? And do you have a solution? What's the short-term fix for these struggles? we got Jake Heaps coming up in the sports pit in a little bit, but right now it's time for you guys to be heard. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. Don't forget, it's one a day for the month of May. You can be one of our smart speaker winners. This month, 710 ESPN Seattle is giving you 31 chances to win a station-logoed smart speaker. Head to 710sports.com slash win to learn how. And, of course, make sure that if you are at home that you are listening to 710 ESPN Seattle on whatever smart speaker that you might have. Again, 206-421-3776. Let's go to the phones. Daniel is in Aberdeen. Daniel, where are you at on the Mariners' sunshine scale right now? Uh, I'm about a seven. Seven. Mm feeling good there. well and yeah i'm feeling pretty good and the reason is is that when you look at the career plate appearances one of my buddies was like hey this is a super young team but it also translates in plate appearances i mean this is a team that is averaging 738 career plate appearances for this team and that's less than half than like everybody else in the league it's crazy when you look at it that makes sense over time, you would think more seasoning, more experience gets them better. But who are you looking at and expecting that experience to pay dividends for? And I understand the limited at best. But, I mean, who would you buy stock in? I think we'd all buy stock I mean, in Jared Kelnick. I think we'd all buy stock in Kyle Lewis because he won the Rookie of the Year. Yeah. But who else? And, and it, I think that's the current problem. Well, I mean, when you look at the team, I mean, there's so many guys that don't even have 150 plate appearances who have played for this team yet. I mean, you look at Evan White, who's been jumped up. You look at, um, I mean, Sam Haggerty has shown some promise. And so many of the other guys who you think, oh, man, that's an experienced player. And they don't even have a 1,000 plate appearances in the league yet. And you look at other teams, like you look at the so-called young Chicago White Sox. (laughs) They have way more plate appearances and so many guys that have had well over a 1,000 and it's it's just not even close when you start looking at it. So, I mean, this team is still super-duper young, and I think that thinking that this year's the year, never really the the probable option. I get where you're coming from, and I appreciate the phone call, Daniel, and it is something that is hard to continue to say, hey, patience is going to pay off. I think it will pay off for some. It is not going to pay off for all, and that's the tricky spot that the Mariners find themselves is, in right now and you know I, I I am embarrassed by what I have seen over the last couple of weeks even though that I know that the Mariners are in the midst of a rebuild and I think it's fair to be embarrassed and I think that the lineup should be looking at themselves in the mirror and thinking like come on this is this is unacceptable but that is that going to make it better you know maybe these guys just don't have the talent to be consistently successful major league hitters 
text in text at seven ten seven ten on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Another texter uh, brought this. Up. I, I suggested this hire Ichiro as the hitting coach. I mean, that could work. That's going to be also though something that might not work out. I mean, how many guys who were just truly great players in their sports are able to effectively communicate a sport that they see in a different way than others to those other players? Another texter, Ken Griffey Jr. is hitting coach. See, it's, it's sometimes it's it doesn't translate very well. And I would point out like Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, whatever wisdom that they might have imparted in past to any young player. Does, does it ultimately help? Uh, 206-421-3776, or does it maybe get in these guys' heads? Let's go to Elliot in Bellevue. Elliot, what's up? Hey, what's up, Paul? Welcome back, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. So for the scale for me, 1 to 10, I'm thinking – I'm sitting at like five only because of the record and just that somehow we're sitting somewhere around 500, you know? And when you said, you said earlier, Oh, you're not surprised by the Mariners getting no hit again. Like, unfortunately me too, man. Like it's, it's yeah. like you said, it's kind of embarrassing. It's sad to say I'm not like, it's not surprising, you know? Right. That's an indictment. That's there an indictment. One question I was trying to ask you though. And I, it's about like the, the broadcasting and the people and like, when it comes down to this, at the end of the game, the second time, we're, we're no-hit two times in two weeks. And these guys on the, on the TV broadcasting people, they're, they're laughing and taking it lightly and asking questions. Is this because they don't want to lose their job if they don't, don't criticize the franchise? Like, well, I feel like Mariners is, is not really held accountable. Is this just the, the, the losing atmosphere in the, the culture in Mariners, or those guys don't want to make a comment and be fired? You know well, what I, mean? I, I, I think, Elliot, and – Appreciate the phone call, and I, I understand where you're coming from. I mean, there's also the idea that it's an 162-game season, and it's hard to preach this. It's hard to follow through on this, but that's the approach that Danny had this morning as far as you, you do have to be patient. And there are elements about where when you look at this team, you, you sort of have to sit back, and you have to wonder, okay, is, or if any, are any of these things going to actually get better? I don't think it's necessarily that, though. I mean, I think right now there is actual reason for hope. I'm Paul Gallant. It's the Paul Gallant Show, 710 ESPN Seattle, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Up next in the sports pit, we welcome Jake Heaps of Jake and Stacy to the show. He's going to respond to something that Michael Bumpus said earlier. And if you have a question for Jake on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, 710-710 is how you send it in with the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. It's 1030. And that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going to, you're going to fail. With Paul Gallant. Joining me right now is Jake Heaps of the Jake and Stacy Show, coming up in about 30 minutes or so. Jake, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great, Paul. It's good to have you back, man. I hope you uh, had a good time, good time on vacation. It was a blast. I went to the Jersey Shore, GTL, all of that jazz. Though I did not get any tan because, as everyone knows, I'm a bit of a ghost. Uh, Jake, you tweeted this last <laughs> night. I'm, I'm, I'm happy I did not have to watch last night's second no-hitter over the course of two weeks and almost a third no-hitter, but you tweeted out, I have typed and retyped too many times to express my thoughts with this Mariners lineup. Okay, so you don't have to type it. Just say it. Just say it. <laughs> Just say it. Just say, say it. How, say how absolutely embarrassing it is to watch that. And it's Oof. one thing – look, it's one thing if it happens one time with a young roster. And, and you get it, right? You're able to have perspective. And I think we still all should have perspective and be able to take a step back. When you look at the lineup, you look at where the Mariners are at in this rebuilding process. But the second time in, four, in the span of like 14 days? Are you kidding yeah. me? And – 
And to do it against not like Justin Verlander of old wearing a Detroit Tiger uniform, we're, we're talking about Spencer Turnbull. And I'm sorry, you know, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but I didn't think Spencer Turnbull was a, a future Cy Young winner or a candidate this year by any stretch of the imagination. I, but uh, to me, this is something that, you know, organizationally, you know, I think the, the, the hitting coach is always the, the scapegoat in these types of situations. So I don't know if if that has anything to do with it. But the level of accountability that I want that I want to see from this club is important in my mind. And it's not just, Paul, looking at it and saying, oh, we're young and, hey, we'll get through this and we're going through these growing pains, this, that, and the other. No, we get that. But where is the standard? And I think it's important when you're Scott Service and you're – you know, Jerry DePoto, you're the Mariners, and you are, through a rebuilding process, trying to establish a winning culture. It's important to set the bar and set the tone that performances like this, they're not okay. It's not acceptable, and it's not just something, oh, you brush to the side and you get past. This stuff can't happen. And uh, and, and so we're early on in the season, Paul, and I would be right now on May 19th, I'm willing to bet a lot of money that we might, we're probably going to see history this season and witness the Mariners have a, a third no-hitter uh, for the first time. Having played sports professionally, football is, I know, different than baseball, but what do you think would be the most effective strategy for, I guess, the coaches to perhaps raise that level of play and get guys to meet a certain standard because I'm at a loss right now. You, you just mentioned there's perspective that you need to have, but it's it's difficult to get more out of this lineup. And I don't think like yelling at them is necessarily going to do anything. Well, yelling's not going to yelling's not obviously going to do anything in the sense of okay, coach yells at us and we're going to turn right things right around. But you got to know how to push buttons. And you know, Scott Service isn't a yeller. He doesn't come across to me as a yeller. And I, I've had coaches like that. And sometimes they're the most effective, where they don't necessarily need to you know scream and yell and and go crazy and and knock over a Gatorade you know uh, cooler uh, to get their point across. But it's it's being able to change your tone and being able to set the tone and say that this isn't this isn't good enough and and I think that that part for a player I I think is really important to recognize and and see the severity of the situation and and not be able to, and not get down on yourself at the same time that's the that's the mix that they're trying to work through how do we get these young players to not get down on themselves but work through the problem and work through the issue and that's that's the challenge that Scott Service has right now he didn't go and spend any you know off-season money on this lineup yeah, um, that, that you know, part hurts it, it does it does it gets you through this situation but you know you see people talk about oh well let's send this guy down let's send this guy down well you're sending him down for another younger player right and, and that, that's might not be worse. the solution here exactly it, it, it so they have to work through it there's no doubt about that paul but right now it, i mean it is you are at a loss of words because what is the answer there isn't really a good answer in this situation other than these guys got to figure it out and they got to start hitting Jake keeps with me in the sports pit. Paul Galancho, 710 ESPN Seattle. I'm curious as to the mind meld, if it will even take place between Russell Wilson and, and Shane Waldron. And I guess some comments that I heard, Jake, over the weekend from Pete Carroll describing the complexity of the Seahawks offense and in a totally different situation. Tom Brady talking about how it took him a while to 
really pick up the Buccaneers offense last season. We're talking about Tom Brady here. It has me wondering about how those two are going to blend together. And this morning I asked Michael Bumpus about it. And I was curious as to what you thought about what Michael Bumpus had to say when I asked him that question. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. 206 421 is how you call and you can text into 710-710. Baseball used to be a sport, and maybe this is a 2021 problem, where no hitters were a rarity. They should never be unsurprising. And that's the worst part about last night's game. It wasn't surprising that they didn't get a hit. I mean, it makes sense. There's no Ty France in the lineup because he's hurt. Jared Kelnick's still trying to figure it out at the major league level. There's no Evan White, I guess. That's bad. There's Jose Marmaleos in for him. Uh, I mean, you look up and down the lineup and it's okay. You got... You got Kyle Lewis, you got Kyle Seeger, who are guys that are probably best-case scenario going to hit like around 240, 250 for you. And then you got Mitch Hanniger at the top of the lineup, and he's got the Hall of Fame average compared to everybody else at like 270. So when you only have maybe three guys in the lineup that you expect to get a hit on a semi-nightly basis, this isn't surprising. Isn't an indictment on the rebuild? I, I don't know, but I, I definitely feel like it means that the team's a little further away from being able to get out of this rebuild tunnel. And there's hope and there's promise and there's a, reasons to be excited with Jared Kelnick and all that, but I, you don't need to be patient right now. I, I, I said this the last time I was on the air. I, I'm, I'm taking the kid gloves off when it comes to this stuff. You bring up Kelnick, expectations need to change a little bit. And it's not like Jerry DePoto and Scott Service don't have expectations for this team, but I, I, I feel like a little bit more cutthroat might be necessary in the near future. The problem is I don't know who you're cutthroat to because I don't know who your reinforcements are going to be. I've been listening to this um, podcast. I listened to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast. It's fantastic. And it talks about how many generals the Soviet Union – ended up killing as part of purges because they were unable to follow orders. And as they continued to do that over and over and over again, the actual skill sets of the people that were all of a sudden finding themselves in positions of military authority were just guys who had no business being in charge of anything. And it's because Stalin was too cutthroat in many, many ways, but specifically there. And it hurt. You do not want to find yourself in a spot where all of a sudden you are just moving on from guys. You do need to show some patience, some leeway, some ability to learn. But, man, I'm, I'm wondering where it's going to come from. 206-421-3776 is, again, how you call in. Let's go to BJ in Auburn. BJ, what's going on, man? Thank you for giving me a platform to vent from. Uh, I'm a little disappointed in Scott's service, and he seems to be getting a pass from you guys and some of the decisions he's been making have been, to me, irritating. In, in the ninth inning of the game, bottom of the ninth, he got bases loaded and two outs. If you're in services place, would you march uh, Luis Torrens out to there and let him swing? No. I, I'd have put Marmolos or uh, 
Murphy, anybody. One of the pitchers would have been better. <laughs> and, and I was disgusted, too, in the one good start that Kikuchi had a couple of starts ago. He leads with a 4-1 lead. And I knew Kikuchi had more stuff. But he doesn't get to pitch the seventh inning. A reliever comes out, gives up two runs. And then at the end of the game, a guy from their team gets his first home run of the season, and it's a three-run blast to beat a 6-4. to four. There's, That's unexcusable, you know, unexcusable. I, I, you know what? You know what, BJ, though, on that one, I understand it a little bit more because Kikuchi was running into a little bit of trouble in that seventh inning. But I get it. I, I am very big into the idea of these, these starting pitchers get babied a little bit, and I say, hey, let, let's let's go a little bit longer. But, but yeah, here's the other thing, too, with, with that basis loaded scenario. I think it's easy to look at Scott Service and say, okay, hey, do something differently here. But, I mean, the alternatives are like, you're, you're suggesting, BJ, hey, let's put Tom Murphy in or let's put in Jose Marvalejos. And, I mean, sadly, the difference between – I think Luis Torrens and, and those two, there is a difference, but how much of a difference actually is it? But that said, I I, I think everyone with Luis Torrens, has, the, the, the patience has definitely worn thin. Uh, 206-421-3776 of the most interactive sports talk show at Seattle, the Paul Galatcha. Let's go to Dion. Dion's in Tacoma. Dion, where are you at on the Mariners' sunshine scale, 1 through 10? Well, I'm definitely uh, not a 10 like it sounds like Danny was earlier. I know. What was I that? Think gonna, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with, uh, I'm gonna have to go with the five just because I don't think it can get any worse than it is right now. But also, you know, I don't, I don't know if we have that big name yet that's going to make it increase to what I think the fans and, and the team wants to see this year. You know, I still think it's a positive year, and the outcome's going gonna to be positive from what we all expected. But I'm just going to rock with the five because I'm just just not set in stone yet on it. I I understand where you're coming from, Dion, and, and, and yeah, with with Kelnick, I think expectations have to be measured. It's hard to be measured with what he did on Friday. I mean, that wow, incredible. But since yeah. then and before that, it's it's been a desert for him. Five is probably the appropriate place to be. It's just hard for me today. I'm at you know if I add it all up, probably at like a three point one. I don't know why I gave that random decimal point there, but you know that's that's sort of where I'm at. Dion, appreciate the phone call, man. Good stuff. Thanks, Paul. Have a good day. You too. Two zero six four two one three seven seven six. It's always how you call into the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, in Washington. Um, so text in seven ten seven ten. I go back to the fact that most of these guys have talent and everyone is underperforming. That goes back to the coach, specifically the hitting coach, as my previous text showed. That's coming from Andrea. The talent is mostly there. It isn't being used well. I don't know. I don't know that the talent is mostly there. And that, that kind of goes back to where I am having some issues. I, I feel like you look at the Mariners' front office, and I wonder if they felt like there was any point this year, and I'm not talking about Jerry Depoto. I'm talking about the guys upstairs who were actually signing the checks. I'm wondering if they wonder if they thought there was any point to actually signing better veteran options. I I always feel like you should be putting out some product that's that's a good product, baseball wise. And say you sign a couple of veterans to short term deals, can't you flip them at the deadline for assets? If they're not, I mean, can't you do what you did with Taiwan Walker? Can't you do what you did with Austin Nola? So why not go after guys that actually give you that potential? Because yeah, you have some guys in this team that you feel like you're going to get something from in the future. 
Kyle Lewis, Kelnick, obviously. I guess Evan White. But that's not the entire lineup. It's not one through nine. Big thanks to go around to everybody who tuned into today's edition of the show. Very caller-friendly show. Appreciate y'all callers, texters as well on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line to Jay Keeps and the one and only Maura Dooley behind the glass. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long, farewell. You will hear Danny and I tomorrow at 7. Jake and Stacy are next.